Well, good morning again, everybody. Hope that you've had a, a pleasant week out there. Um, you know, it's been kind of warm this week. Had some pretty high temperatures, and it seems that not too long ago, during the springtime when it was cooler, we were praying for these warm temperatures. So are you happy? Or are you praying for cooler temperatures now in the fall and the winter? It's kind of funny how we switch back and forth based on what's in front of us at times, isn't it? How our circumstances a lot of time dictates our attitude. You know, we tend to take care of what's right in front of us and respond to those immediate needs. You know, it's hard to have balance and contentment at different points in our life, especially when it comes to our faith and walking like that. When we have the bigger picture in mind, even though we go through these individual events. You know, and I think that relates a lot to what Paul has been doing in 1 Corinthians 12 in terms of bringing balance to some crazy situations. We're going to be picking up in our series today with 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to look at how he applies these teachings to the body motif, something that we've covered from Romans 12 when we were in Romans going over the spiritual gifts, and we're going to address what's right in front of the people. So if you have your Bibles, join me in 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to begin in verse 12 and read the rest of the chapter. All right, verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gift of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I shall sh show you a still more excellent way. 
Father, as we go to your word today, I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to your truths. Convict us, Lord, in these areas. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so today, throughout all of the words that I say in this message, within this section, I want you to be able to see three things. Oneness, diversity, and function. These are the three things that I'm going to be drawing out in this text. We've already discussed the body motif when we went through Romans 12, and we incorporated this passage as well. Um, So in some ways, this might be a review for us. But I also want to draw out the importance of the description of the body for us today. Now, we want to hold into our minds what's going on with the Corinthian church, why Paul is addressing it in this way, uh, the different divisions that they're facing within the body. They were holding up the gift of tongues. They were propping this one up as greater than anything else. Um, They were using that as a measure of spirituality within the church. So Paul is addressing this, talking about Um, balance and how this needed to be corrected in terms of their thinking and how they were going about their daily life. You know, and we've gone over different forms of legalism, different ways that we can bring legalism into our life, into the church, um, through the different avenues, through the different conversations that we have. While at the same time, we see the balance of being able to correct, exhort, and admonish people when they're not walking with with the Lord. It's a delicate balance that we have to face, one that we have to rely on the Spirit to guide us through, you know, because it can very easily come across as legalism. You know, our ability to communicate with the Spirit's help in those instances is key. So, you know, as we understand what's going on with the Corinthians, we see how Paul is calling them out in this area, how they're not being the body that they needed to be, while at the same time affirming and encouraging them in many areas pointing the people back to the gospel message, back to the will of God in their lives. And you know what what Paul's stressing here, at least in this passage, is not unity, but rather oneness. He's not pushing oneness through unity, but rather through diversity. I think it's a very important concept that we need to understand in the churches today. Now, I'm guilty for this. I push the term unity quite a bit, or being united. And through my study of these two terms this week, I have understood that, you know, maybe I should be pushing the term oneness more often. Many times, those two terms, unity and oneness, can be interchangeable, but there is quite the difference within them. You know, when we look at unity, it suggests that an individual or a group of people will come together for a common purpose or a common goal. It's defined as being in the state of full agreement. There's still individuals, though. For those moments, for that purpose, they're coming together, but then they can separate again. You know, if you think about those moments, they might be putting aside their selfishness, their single-mindedness, their desires for the greater good. Whereas oneness is whole. It's complete having the value of one, to refer to a single individual or person. A few interesting texts that I found this week to help us with this understanding. Genesis 11. Kids, what happens in Genesis 11? Review from Sunday school. Shout it out. Teens in the back, what do you think? 
Oh, summer brain, I tell you. The Tower of Babel happens in Genesis 11. And in verse 6, God says this. He says, Behold, the people are one, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. An interesting look at oneness from a humanistic standpoint, from an evil standpoint, with evil desires behind what they were doing at Babel. This oneness catches the attention of the Lord, so much so that he comes down and confuses their language. The point of them being one is that nothing they propose would be impossible. God takes their actions of being one seriously. Can you begin to see the difference between unity and oneness? You know, with unity, individuals who are coming together, they're coming together with their own identities. With oneness, there is just one identity. It's similar to marriage. When the two become one, they lose their individual identities and become joined together into something completely different. You know, entities that have different roles or different functions form one new entity. Now, you think about the problems that we face in marriages today. Many times it's centered around selfishness, their own desires to go do their own thing, not holding the new entity as one. Paul is trying to show this same beauty of the body motif and the oneness here. You remember what Jesus says in his prayer in the Gospel of John, chapter 16, chapter 17. In 16, you know, the the disciples are coming to a realization and Jesus says, oh, now you believe? Well, let me tell you this. In a little bit, you're going to be scattered. You're going to go your separate ways. You're going to go off on your own. But I'm going to pray for you. And this is what Jesus says in 17, verse 11. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. So that's a prayer for the disciples. He continues on in verse 20. And he says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. So you notice the emphasis on the disciples being one, just as Jesus and the Father are one. You think of the Trinity, the three in one, the uniqueness of oneness, how the Shema, the Lord our God is one. It's a very important term, concept, that we need to understand. Now when we look at our passage in 1 Corinthians 12, There are six times where oneness is expressed. There are other times where the word one is used like one another or one member. Um, But for oneness, six times this is expressed. Let's reread these first couple of verses and see that emphasis. In verse 12, For just as the body is one 
and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now you can also connect up above where it talks about the gifts are given by the one spirit as well. So you can continue to see this oneness. You know, oneness I think is a fuller example of what Christ desires for the church. Unity is good, but it's not complete. It's not whole. Oneness is this picture of the restored relationship between us and the Father through the blood of Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. You think of the awesome wonder of what it means to be one with Christ for eternity. The awe and majesty of that. For now, in this life, we can experience oneness in the Spirit with our fellow fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, believers around the world. This this oneness of the Spirit, this mentality, is kind of what pushed A.B. Simpson to do this movement to spread the gospel, this movement that became the CMA denomination. But you think of that term denomination. Where do we get that term from? Math. It's a term of division. So here we are as a church celebrating divisions when Paul says we are to be one. Thousands of denominations within the Protestant church. Do you see how important this prayer is from Jesus in John 17? Father, I pray that they can be one even as you and I are one. And then through that oneness, what's going to happen? The world will know that you sent me. Do you think the world can't see our division? They prey on it. read an article this week by a guy named Ray Trippy. And he closes his article this way. He says, Just imagine if we, as the body of Christ, were as one, being one in Jesus, the Father and with each other, just as Jesus and the Father are one, speaking with one language, the truth, because it is his word that sanctifies us. Just imagine how nothing will be restrained for the body of Christ, which they have imagined to do, in bringing forth the kingdom of God upon this earth. It's only when the body of Christ is one that they will see and experience that our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Unto him be the glory in the church, by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I want us to dwell on the thoughts of oneness this week. Now with this oneness, it is reached through diversity. Diversity of the believers, diversity of gifts. Um, And then Paul then goes through this body motif in the next section to explain how the body functions. He goes through and he compares different parts of the body. He explains how everything together make up the body. Now in most of his letters, Paul does describe unity. He does say this in 1 Corinthians 1.10. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united and in the same mind and the same judgment. You know, the unity was found within the oneness, where it's full agreement on what the gospel is, on what the truth is. Um, And as you see here in verse 13, 
as it says, you drink of the oneness of the Spirit. This is referencing back to John chapter 7, verses 37 and 39, which says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So we see how the diversity of people, the diversity of gifts, were a must for a spiritual church. You know, you think about the gifts, you think about people, you think about diversity. You think about spiritual churches. How would you rank this church? Because churches, you know, we can go through the motions just fine. I think Revelation talks about a few of those types of churches. How would you think about the oneness or the spirit moving within this body? He goes on in these next few paragraphs to stress um, this illustration of the body and how it functions, how each part is needed, no matter how small or seemingly insignificant. No matter what we esteem, no matter what we tear down, For the Corinthians, of course, they're holding up the gift of tongues. They're holding up other things, other divisions that have been talked about throughout the book. Um, But Paul is saying that even the smallest gifts were important. You know, I look at some of this section as we go through it. You know, I look at verse 26 in particular. How when one part suffers, the whole part suffers. I think it's easy to see those. You know, for instance, if if you've had kidney stones or gallstones, keep Jason Rodenberg in your prayer. He's dealing with a gallstone right now. Something so small affects your whole body. Pulled back muscle or neck muscle, a stubbed pinky toe. You know, you think about how the small things impact the entire body. Every part is important. The body is connected and created in a marvelous way. So many parts functioning for the whole, for the one body. And it says how God has designed and placed each of those. These functions that Paul describes in verses 27 through 30, it's just a small list here for their purposes, but he lists them off in order of importance. He adds in helps and administration, and he puts tongues in last place, I think, here for the Corinthians. And again, it's not an exhaustive list. There's so many things that could be done for the service of the Lord. When we look at chapter 12 as a whole, we see an incredible balance that's on display. And there's several things that are balanced out that I want to point out today for us to continue to wrestle with. You know, we see how each Christian is a part of a larger organism, how each individual is important or indispensable for the vision of the whole. We see how on the one hand, they're equally important because we each serve an essential function, but on the other hand, there are some that are more crucial than others in terms of the order of importance that Paul lists. We have to balance what that means. We see how God determines our gifts, our ministries, and the individual differences, yet we also see that we are to have a desire for the gifts. and We have the initiative to ask, to seek earnestly, the greater gifts, as it says in verse 31. And then we will see next week how the importance of love ties everything together. 
So there's a ton of balances that are kept within this, challenge, within this chapter, within our ministries and within our lives. And Paul is instructing the Corinthians in this area of diversity. And God uses that to instruct us as well. You know, when I think about function, when I think about this list of gifts that are given here, the offices that we went over in Ephesians 4, no matter where you continue to be in that realm, I trust and pray that you're continuing to wrestle with what we've gone over the last few months. When I think about the impact of the local church and and how we're going to approach that, how we're going to treat these things, I also throw into my mind different questions that I have. You know, like chapter 14 that we've addressed a little bit and the order of services. What changes would be in place for us as a body? You know, I've talked about this before. We're pretty routine in what we do and we could probably write the bulletin for next year at this time in terms of the order of service that we have. Is that a good thing? Provides comfort and safety. I'm sure that's what Jesus wanted for us, right? Sure, that's what the Spirit gives. And our salvation, yes. But you look at how the Spirit moves in people's lives, it's messy. It's beyond our expectations. It's God-sized. You know, we often claim to be about the truth. So let me ask you, is this body one? Is it one in name and theory only? Or is it lived out practically? Normally, I give the state of the church address at the annual meeting. Well, about 14 people stayed for that meeting. So, that's an issue in and of itself. To where we don't want to have an understanding of the direction that we're going as a body. To come on board with different things. And as I look at the state of the church, I would say that we are in a very crucial time for several reasons. One, we're growing. It's a good problem to have, but at the same time, we're lacking in different areas of leadership, different ways for people to step up and serve. And I've said this over the past several years that we need those types of people. Part of the issue is messaging and communication on my part and leadership's part. You know, the issue of leadership is why we've been doing this sermon series, because I'm well aware of the pitfalls and the dangers that approach us, especially as we grow. In terms of burnout, among those that continue to serve for many years, in the same roles, with no one to give them a break. Jobs that have been done far too long. Those people will just be done. Now, I will say, many in the body have used the gift of helps in tremendous way. We come alongside and we support each other whenever we're down, and that's awesome and that's tremendous. I'm primarily talking in areas of leadership, taking leadership roles. And you know, what I think many of us need to understand is the different ministries that we do have here, and those that are in charge, those that are serving, and how to get involved. And again, that's messaging. You know, I think that we also need to understand that we are to have no sacred cows in this church, meaning not having a ministry just because we've always had it. You know, if there's not somebody to run the ministry, we're not going to do the ministry. 
if there's nobody there to serve. We also want to be open to other ministry ideas. We love to hear different suggestions. Implementing them can be challenging at times, but as I've said, Christianity is not a spectator sport. We don't come to the church just to sit on the sidelines. We come to be the church, and you are all a part of the whole. Each person should have a job, duty, role, opportunity to use their gifting for the benefit of one another to encourage, to build up, and to glorify God. Whether that's filling the creamer jar, which Jenny Player has already called because she's been doing that for a while, so she, that's her job. Whether that's joining the worship team, being a deacon, teaching Sunday school, helping with nursery, and so forth and so on. I've had some conversations in this past month in terms of really trying to get people more involved using their gifts to be able to be a blessing to others, to bring him glory, to bring ownership into your life here at Harvest. So I, what I want to do this summer is plan. I want to hear ideas, and I want people to have conversations. You know, we've talked about things like rotations for the worship team or the audiovisual team. We're going to be starting nursery back up in the fall. We're going to have at least one classroom open for Sunday school teachers for the kids, and we're always looking for more adult teachers as well. Speaking on that, we are also currently in plans for building expansion. We're discussing that with different builders, potentially doing a lean-to towards the hill to put in three, maybe four more classrooms for bigger space. Our middle school class next year is going to have at upwards of 15 kids in that classroom. Again, great problem to have, but a problem that needs to be addressed. Um, so as we address these things, we need to hear feedback. We need to hear comments, and we need input on that. You know, I, I understand that when we emphasize need for workers, people think, well, I don't want to speak. I don't want to get up front. I don't want to be anything like that. I can't even <laughs> look at some of you right now because of that. But, you know, that's fine. I'll only say this. It has been such a joy in my life to watch God work through my weaknesses. I've been very upfront with you. I would not be a pastor unless it was a call of God in my life because I don't feel like I'm a good speaker. I don't think that I'm a good pastor and all of those types of things. That's my own issues that I struggle with. But I've seen God work so awesome in such tremendous ways just because I was obedient. So don't quench the spirit. Don't just reject things offhand. Lean in. And you know, this is a pretty gracious body. We're very forgiving with one another as well. But there are many things that can be done there are many things that are done behind the scenes to help the church operate as well. And they're all wonderful. You know, within a service, though, we want to be able to give people the opportunities to use the giftings to bless others and to glorify and worship God. Um, so on the back table, I'm, I have several sign-up sheets. Now, these sign-up sheets are interest-only sheets. They are not, I am signing a contract for 10 years of my life to serve in this way. It's, like I said, I just want to have conversations and hear where your guys' hearts are and how we can come together to build um, the body and to, to help each other 
going that way. Um, and again, everything is kind of in a planning phase at this time. Um, things will have to be discussed, but just some ideas. If you want to read a creed, if you want to lead the congregation in the Lord's Prayer, if you wanted to share special music, do announcements, be a missions champion, take care of the playground, get the hot chocolate, be a prayer or part of a prayer ministry, write letters or send packages to our college students. Again, we have 11 that are going off to different areas this year, um, visiting with people. Again, no matter how small the job may seem, everything is needed. And training our kids how to help out and serve at a young age is important as well. Now, there will be some hoops that need to be jumped through with some different areas, such as if you're working with kids, you need to have a background check. Some of the areas of leadership, you need to be a member of the church. You know, so again, part of the messaging uh, from my part is to put forth the vision. And again, annual meeting is normally when I put forth that vision, and then the messages will tend to be expressed a lot of the way through that. You know, for the past few years, I've treated many of my messages as I am speaking to believers um, to equip you as you go out into the mission field. I have not given message that are, messages that are seeker-sensitive. I don't give altar calls because many of you have been believers for years. And as we talked about last August, we challenged each other with evangelizing and thinking about who we've shared the gospel with in our life as believers. Yeah, you know, it's a call. It's a truth within the Bible. Things that we need to be about as believers. And as the gospel message is weaved into those messages, it points us back to Jesus because he is the root of everything that we're doing. You know, as a body, we need, we need to understand how to practically live out our faith. And we want to provide opportunities for you to do so. So, I'd like to make things a little bit more visual for those who serve in the church um, in more formal roles here at the church, as well as helping new people understand and see people of where they can go to for help and things like that. So, I would like to ask Phil to stand. Unfortunately, it's one of those days where the other two are not here. But Phil is an elder, and then Mike and Nancy, if you want to wave your hand, Nancy. Nancy is uh, Mike's wife, and then Brett, who normally does the announcements, is also an elder here at the church. These men have served faithfully for many, many years in this role as an elder. Um, they are your spiritual direction of this church. As a pastor, I simply come in as a, as a head elder and helped direct and guide um, their thought processes, but they are the decision makers of this body. Um, so you wanna be in prayer for them as they give of themselves after long weeks of, or a long week of work. They still have meetings, they still do phone calls, uh, they still interact with me uh, in, in ways that go above and beyond. So I definitely appreciate these guys and all that they do, and I want you to be in prayer as God may be calling you into this position. Now, as an elder, it's a lot different than other things of just stepping in. There's a lot more process that we have to go through with that. But we also want to continue to, to bring up that next generation. So as a visible elder here, if you have issues with the church, go to Phil. Don't come to me. <laughs> Teasing, you can sit down. Thank you. Um, if those who are deacons here, if I could have you stand, please. 
just have to stand. So these, again, are men within the church that have served a very long time. And they take care of the grounds, they take care of the building and the decisions of those types of things. Um, different problems that go on, they fix. A lot of times it's unseen. And it's behind the scenes that they're doing all of this work. Um, very similar to elders, they have served for many years, seemingly without a way out. You know, normally with the way a church functions is you would serve a few terms that are three years, then you would be off a term, and then you could be voted back in or appointed depending on how the bylaws are set up. But this church just does things. You know, we always have, and it's good in a lot of ways. Our heart is good, but again, we want some more organization and structure. But they do so many things that go unnoticed and underappreciated. And I'm sorry for that underappreciation. You guys do a ton, and I thank you for it. You guys can be seated. Um, I'm going to have Randy stand back up for me just for a second. Randy is the head deacon at this time. So if you do see things that are broke or if you have ideas with the building, he is the one that was just newly elected as the head deacon. So take some, some of those things to him. Um, if you are part of the worship team or the audiovisual team, please stand. Even as, yep, even as volunteers or subs and stuff like that, Michelle, you can stand as well. You can still stand, Betty, it's okay. Um, again, for years, they have served faithfully in this role. And Emily started playing piano when she was 12. She's headed off to college this fall. Now, for now, I have it on good authority that Michelle's going to fill in with piano, but she does work some Sundays. So there'll be some Sundays as opportunities for that as well. So we'd like to see maybe another worship team that can do a rotation, maybe a youth worship team or a college-age worship team because our kids have a lot of gifts in playing instruments and singing to where we're able to bless each other and also maybe give Dave a little bit of a break. Dave is kind of our head worship leader, and even as I say worship leader, we're both under the understanding that everything that we do here is worship. He just kind of leads the singing or special music and trying to help me organize the order of the service as well. So you guys can be seated. Thank you. Can I have those who teach or lead Sunday schools stand up? So within this group, I know there's a few also that are not here today. Um, this is a group that has worked very hard in the past few years, especially as we have gotten more and more kids involved. Um, I'm kind of the leader of the youth group, so I've been doing that as well. And I have helpers that help me on those nights. But these, these people teach each Sunday, or they're on a rotation for the different Sundays. Um, I know next year we're going to have one class that's going to be open, and we're always looking for some adult teachers as well to help with that. Gene and Beth, if you guys can wave. You guys took over the reins from Mike and Nancy a couple years ago, and you guys have done great with that. But if you have questions with Sunday school stuff, you can see them. You guys could be seated. Um, nursery. Shay, do you want to stand up? I didn't think you were going to be here today. I thought you guys were still coming back. But Shay had taken on uh, the nursery role just before COVID hit, so that was perfect timing for her to take a leadership role. 
and then suspend nursery for a couple years. But we're going to pick back up with nursery in the fall as we start up Sunday school. Um, and if you recall last time, you know, sometimes there was pairs that were back there, um, but you were on a rotation maybe once a month where you sat in nursery to kind of give parents a break and bless, um, bless the kids that way as well. So if you're interested in that, there'll be a sign up in the back there. Now, we don't have anything official for the ladies' ministry, deaconesses, women's circle, or whatever you want to call it at this time. But if you've helped with cooking meals or helped with helping families in need, can you stand? Don't be shy. It's okay. To where as you guys have served, many times as I get things in, I might contact Sue or I might call, contact Lynn. They're not in an official role of a leader, like a point person. I just ask them, hey, can you organize something? And they get it done. You know, and as Tim prays today, he loves the food. You know, um, it's, I remember um, when Harriet had her accident, Brad was all about the food and how many good cooks we have in this church. You know, so we would love to see somebody take the lead in this to where it could be a point person that I can contact. Um, but again, thank you for all that you guys do. I guess maybe seated. Now again, with the bylaws, there are some roles that only members of the church can fill for obvious reasons. Um, and because of this, um, we're going to be having a membership class probably sometime in August. It's very informal. I've only done one before. so. But there's also pamphlets on the back table if you have questions about the denomination that can help answer those. Um, but again, if you're interested in attending a membership class, you can sign up on the back table. Um, and then... Also, we normally do a baptism in the fall. So if you're interested in baptisms, we'll be doing that probably mid-September is when we usually do that. But we don't have to do it once a year. We can do it as the time comes up as well um, in February, so be it. Um, but we normally offer it uh, once a year as a kind of a big group type of thing. Last year, I think we had seven that were baptized. So that was an awesome time. Um, so for that, let's see. Now, as all those people that stood up, and I pointed out different leaders, if you have questions, if you have concerns, if you have interests, see one of those leaders. Yes, I can be kind of a go-to for everybody, but it's, again, trying to get them more involved as well to where you can show some different interest. Um, on the back table, you'll find a lot of different sign-ups. Again, it's not a contract, it's just interest. It's diff different things to help us as we try to plan to, to bring this body closer together. You know, as we, as we express how we need to grow and continue to understand the importance of having order while at the same time understanding how the spirit moves within the body, it is a balance that will create change. So I pray that you would spend the next few weeks in prayer. Prayer for the direction of this body Prayer for your individual life, answering the call that God has put on your heart of different ways that you would like to serve and bless him. You know, have conversations with each other about what's needed at harvest, what you would like to see happen. Dream big. You know, like I said, we're doing a building project. Dream big. You know, put a bowling alley in for bowling ministry. 
It's all, it's all good. It's just money, right? But you know what? For years, I've thought I'd love to have an Awana program. But you know, you look at our space, not quite enough rooms. You look at the workers. If I added another ministry, I know it would be the same people that worked. So I'd just burn them out faster. But you know, we look at the demographic of this church. There have been Sundays that there have been more kids than adults in this church. Again, a great problem to have. But we need workers ready to raise up the next generation. And again, this building is not old. You know, I looked at the plans this week as we met with that builder. I think it was probably from the wall to the end of the carpet to that wall is what you guys were meeting in before. And you think about, wow, all of this space will never outgrow it. Six or seven years, look where you are. You know, God is good, but we have to work. He has given us these tasks. He has given us a vision for this community to raise up this body. So we want to be prepared for that. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we can have some good time of fellowship and discussion. Father, as we close today, I just want to thank you for the emphasis that you have and the reminder that you've given us about being one in you. And I pray, Lord, that as we contemplate what that means, that you would speak to us in clear ways of how we can express what you have given to us through your giftings, through salvation, through sanctification, to come alongside of each other, to encourage, to build each other up, and to worship you together. Lord, we praise you for the salvation that you have given us through Jesus, your son. We praise you that he is raised from the dead and seated at the right hand. We praise you that he is coming again in glory. We look forward to that day. Until that day, Lord, let us serve you wholeheartedly. Not, not just when we want to, when it's convenient for us, but Lord, with our lives. May they be a reflection of your truth, your goodness, and your beauty. May people see our fruit. May people see our light shine so that they may be directed to you. May the world know you because of our oneness, because of our love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.